to present some of the new beers from us uh, here at Beercraft. Um, Fry Guys, we found that in 2009 at the Monarchies, a uh, new project I just started last year with a good friend of mine uh, to go a bit deeper in the brewing history, like very old uh, beers we wanted to revive in the most authentic way. And uh, so this is actually the first time that it hits uh, NYC. It's a great pleasure to share it with you guys. And uh, so the first beer is called Grosiski, uh, which is a Polish beer style, uh, the only one which is um, known as a Polish beer style. Uh, a lot of people will know it under the name Gretza, which is the German name because of the Polish history. So it was uh, some parts uh, in Poland, was a part of Prussia in those days, which was like German speaking. So it has the two names. Uh, we brewed that beer um, at Jopen Brewery in Harlem in the Netherlands. It's an uh, old church which is not in use anymore, so they started to build a brewery inside. It's like a it's really beautiful uh, place with a big bar and a restaurant upstairs. And uh, behind the bar there's this brewing installation in front of the church windows. And it's really nice, so the German brewery com uh, the, uh, installation company um, building the insulation inside was just like okay that wouldn't be possible in Germany making uh, a brewery into a uh, turning a church into a brewery but uh, it was really great location and we tried to brew it in the most authentic way as possible together with uh, two of my friends both beer historians uh, uh, Ron Patterson and Evan Weir and I'm not drinking that shit <laughs> 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 so um, yeah, we did a lot of research about that beer, and um, so it's a 100% oak smoke wheat malt beer, and everyone who's doing did some brewing knows that 100% wheat is just like the catastrophe uh, par excellence. Um, it's really, really, um, really happy to brew it. It's like we started at noon and ended up four in the night, so uh, actually everyone was still there, was not able to go home. With, with a local transport and was just like, okay, I have to rent some cars to go back. And um, this was, uh, yeah, the 100% oak smoke. We used the original uh, strength, so it's 7.7 uh, plateau degrees, which turned out to be 3.3% alcohol, so pretty light. And we used the, uh, used to be very bitter, 35 IBUs with, with polish hops, and we organized the original yeast. So the original yeast was uh, given by the last brewmaster in 93, when it was brewed the last time, to a lab in Poland, and they were sharing it with a lab in Prague, Czech Republic, and uh, my friend Evan was driving 10 hours through whole Germany for bringing the yeast over on three kegs. So it's like a really big effort for brewing the beer. And we did two versions, the Gretzer is the pure version, like we brewed it in the uh, original way, and the um, Grosiski is the version with uh, with willow bark. Uh, while doing the research, we found out that uh, 
in the medieval times they used willow bark for brewing the beer as well. So uh, that's actually the version we have. Actually pretty full body for such a light beer and totally different than all the other smoked beers uh, you can find. So the Schlenkala or something has a totally different smoke character than uh, the oak smoke. Is first of all, because normally the we, uh, mold is beech wood, which is used for smoking the mold. And it's in this case also wheat and not barley. Any questions to that beer? Any comments? How does the one with the bark differentiate from the one without? Um, the bark is actually uh, reducing the smoky taste a bit and it's uh, having uh, some herbal taste and additional a little, uh, little bit more bitterness coming through. So that's uh, the most difference, but it's not too crazy. We use uh, not too much of it because we wanted to have a balanced beer, not like uh, willow bark uh, in the face, you know. Okay, going on with the next one. Watch out. Yeah. Um, the Milchhausen is um, our interpretation of a so-called Münster Landstall uh, Altbier. Um, Münster is a town north of the Ruhr area, like towns of Dortmund, Essen, and that is even north of Cologne, where we are situated. And uh, in this region, um, they, they had they have a lot of Alpia, or used to have a lot of Alpia, and Münsterlandster Alpia is uh, part of the uh, sour beers in Germany, in the, of the past, of the traditional ones, so there were two families, one was the lightly hopped beers, and the other one was the strongly hopped beers, and the lightly uh, hopped beers like Lichtenhainer, Gose, Berliner Weisse turned out to be sour very quick, because the hops is like, uh, there's very lightly hopped, and the strongly hopped beers, is, uh, one is the Münsterlandster um, Alpi um, and the other one, the Adam beer, uh, were very hoppy, so it took a long time until they got sour. And um, so this beer is just brewed for, by Bikus Müller and Münster uh, in former times. In, this, in those days, it's not really sour anymore, and uh, we brewed the sour version again. Uh, which is like, it's in the first row, it's an Altbier, but with some underlining sourness. It's a little bit Venus character, making it very drinkable and giving some extra attitude, but I wouldn't describe it in, as a first row as a, a sour beer. Um, the name is called Mitchhausen. Uh Probably some of you know the film by Terry Gilliam, which is uh, referring to the old stories of uh, Baron von Mitchhausen, who was uh, telling outrageously far-fetched stories about his uh, adventures while uh, some some kind of war in the 18th century or something and he was just like uh, telling the stories it's like everyone was listening it's like oh I had to go there pretty quick but the horse was too slow so I was just like taking cannonball sitting on the cannonball and flying over there so and we used as a, as a label we used uh, Münchhausen and sitting on a hop flower because IP is of course uh, more hobby stuff. Any questions there? You guys are so calm, what's going on? <laughs> the first one that presents me the uh, we, we, we bought them all from Weyermann. Okay. So they, they just uh, published the uh, Oaksmoke Feet Mall uh, last year again. 
this was a good, a good opportunity for Ruin to be again. But it turned out by, by accident that we just came together. We were last year on a, on a cruise ship from Rose, Rome to Barcelona, so it was a beer trip for like a lot of European brewers. And uh, like we, ju we just met there, and then after that, a few weeks later, we met in Amsterdam again by accident. And it's like, okay, actually, hey, we could brew something together. And it turned out to be the grass songs. This one, the yeah. which house, it's Münsterland uh, Altbier. Münsterland Altbier. Okay. Like M U umlaut N S T E R Land Altbier. Okay. Thank you. Are you this brewery? Yes, we have. Um, Brauschel um, is a place called Cologne. It's a brew pub which was founded in 2001. So uh, uh, run by uh, my friend Peter, Essa, and me. And um, since 2009, we made this project Freigeist. So uh, doing a lot of very special beers and uh, made, made mostly for the export uh, market because uh, in Germany the situation is pretty different and it's like there are no beer shops, no beer pubs where you're like, okay, we have a whole a big range of lines and they're just like pouring different beers but actually uh, all the bars are mostly owned by some or like uh, sponsored by some breweries and they're just like, okay, uh, giving the kegs there and they just have to empty them and they're giving it back and they're not able to experiment too much, you know, like if you want to open a pub in Germany and you don't have that money, uh, you're just going to a brewery and just paying for everything, but then you have to take the beer. So that's mostly the situation, how you save money on, when opening a pub. You know. and most people take advantage of that situation, but also are not able to uh, vary a lot. They are mostly brewing for export, and uh, so this is Fry Guys, so we are around in the US since last year, and uh, but existing since 2009. And uh, last year I founded uh, the Monarchy together with another friend who's also very skilled in brewing for making even more authentic uh, beer specialties. So the, the, the first two beers were Monarchy beers actually now, uh, which just hit the US now. And um, the other stuff is also mixed fry guys. So the, the, the 15 beers which are on tap uh, is a mix of both. They're yeah. brewed in the same location. Uh, brewed at different locations. We have, the, as I said, the brew bar. Um, then we have, uh, additional to that, uh, the brewery in uh, Jopen in the Netherlands, where the Gretz of the Brusiski is brewed. Uh, additional to that, a brewery one hour north of Cologne, where we brew the Mischhausen, the Methuselahim. Um, most, yeah, actually all the other monarchy beers. Very little Freigeist beers. And then we have another brewery in Bavaria, which is uh, where we're brewing the, uh, uh, most of the other Fragas beers. That's actually the locations are about, but it's not owned by us. We're just renting the location because in Germany it's the opposite of the US. In the US you have, uh, everyone is brewing as much as he can and there's uh, still a lot of demand over there. And uh, so everyone is like uh, trying to build new facilities. And Germany is the opposite, so it's like the amount is going down. So there's a lot of free capacity. And before people get unemployed, and uh, we have to take the risk of building a new plant, we're just using their facilities for doing what, what we want to do. And people are not getting unemployed, and we have their good installations which we can easily use, and that's what we are doing. Now, there's styles that you can distribute through me and distribute other places. 
Uh, we can actually brew whatever we want. Uh, the, uh, the situation is only that uh, you're not allowed to call it beer automatically because if you're brewing not according to the purity law, which is not uh, acting as a law anymore, because but, but right as the boat is just like a, um, just a name, you know, it's like it's actually it's a law that's called Biersteuerverordnung, which is just referring to the ideas of the purity law. But what people always call the purity law is still uh, in some way. Uh, acting as a law because um, you can brew whatever you want but as soon as you're like saying beer on the label people are like oh beer and no other companies could say well uh, we know beer as water more hops yeast and it's not belonging to that so this is actually hurting the situation of beer and then uh, you could probably get a lawsuit or something it's really strange but in former times you were you directly got the lawsuit because of that, but now it's like people are still, oh, it's destroying or faking the idea of what is beer is. And then you get problems, but you can put whatever you want on the label, you know, it's like Erica, Monica, Ale, whatever, but not putting beer on it. Then it's okay. 50 years ago, who are you? I'm just, I'm being ordered for Shut up. No, but in the, 50 years ago, if you had these ingredients, they couldn't call it beer then either? Uh, no. These beers are really common a few decades ago, but they didn't call them beer. No. Never did. I mean, in former times, the people didn't get the idea of brewing something else. And so nowadays, it's like very strange for people uh, brewing with spices or something. So everything is regarded as very strange if you're trying to brew with spices. Now, group up, we have a, a good group of clients which are used uh, since 12 years now for drinking. Uh, strange beers or experimental beers and they like that a lot but outside of that it's hard to find really customers uh, appreciating uh, that kind of beers um, that's the situation I mean if you're going back in the past uh, the, the Reinhardtsgebot was just uh, being law in all Germany uh, from 1909 because um, then Bavaria became part of the German Empire and they said okay it's only becoming part of the empire when also the purity law is becoming law everywhere else. They wanted to uh, stay on that one and before they, they were able to brew a lot of other beers. So we have this poison vice, for example, on tap, which is uh, wheat beer, original wheat beer, uh, found in the recipe was found in the brewing book from 1831 and it contains different kind of uh, wheat malt, um, uh, sugar beet syrup, juniper berries and ginger and that was an original beer brewed in those days but in Prussia and not in Bavaria so in my area it was brewed where I'm situated in Cologne but uh, in Bavaria not and after 1909 uh, it was nowhere brewed anymore so that was actually uh, a cut in the history and we are referring a lot to the old style we are very historical orientated and we like that kind of beers which were around because uh, they they worked on those recipes over centuries together with the customers with the brewers and it's like a very very good shaped recipes made until then and when the law cut came uh, they weren't able to brew it anymore and we like to have them around again that's the situation uh, should we go on with the next I guess I'm talking too much.
Son of a bash. What? Son of a bash. <laughs> Attention what you're saying to me, man. <laughs> the next piece is Son of a Badge. Um, it's my interpretation of a dark Goza. Normally Goza is known as was a beer style from Goslar, the river through the town of Goslar, which is in the middle of Germany. Uh, it's called Goza and it became way more popular in the east, especially in Leipzig. And um, then it was lastly brewed in Leipzig, died out twice in the 20th century and uh, was, was revived again. And nowadays uh, made by two breweries, uh, Mario Shabanov and Bernstein Richard was uh, around. And this is a dark version. Uh, when thinking of traditional or historical beers, uh, I'm always thinking of the, that the beer is having some kind of wood taste because um, in former times uh, there were wooden, wooden installation, uh, wooden tools, lagering all uh, take part in uh, the uh, in, in wooden tanks, and so wood was all around. And I think it had some impact of the flavors uh, as well, and that's the reason why we use uh, wood when brewing the beer. So that. The beer was ready and was aging in wood, but we really used brewing uh, in the kettles. So, uh, and as it's dark, so we use dark malt, we use coriander, we use uh, black uh, lava salt from Hawaii. Uh, and then, this, uh, then we made a bit of a parody of the single hop series at the same time. So we made a single wood series. So one version is brewed with apple wood, one version is brewed with hickory wood. Um, and this version, I think it's the apple one. This is apple wood. Okay, yeah. And um, gives a, bit, a little bit of apple taste, like green apples, but it's, there's no fruit inside. So it's a actually sour, uh, pretty sour ale with some tartness inside. And uh, name is a bit of a homage to Johnny Cash. And I was listening to him on my CD in the car, it's like, I'm, I'm born in Sue and I'm the son of a bitch who named you Sue. And it's like, son of a bitch? The son of a bitch? <laughs> that would be a name for me. Are you going to continue to brew the Polish style beers? Yeah, for sure. We, we did it again. It was not only a uh, one-time batch, yeah. but uh, for me it's very important, you know, like there's a lot of beers and like, oh, that's very interesting. And it's brewed one time and not anymore. And I actually uh, want to have it all the time brewed, you know, because otherwise it's like for people which are like just for ticking, you know, it's like, oh, I had it and then it's gone. But there's something which should be all around and it's not only like, oh, I tasted it once. Now I know what the grits are tasting like. No problem if you didn't taste it, but it should be normally uh, available for everyone. And there's a monarchy bottle. Do you have bottles of monarchy beers? Yeah. And they're, are they for export as well? Yes, but uh, we didn't send any uh, yet, but it will happen in the close future. So we are definitely sending the Mitchhausen, Methuselim, Preussen uh, Weiser, the Gretzer, Grosiski. Those will be definitely uh, in the US in the future. But until now, we are just sending kegs because kegs are way easier for sending. So the beer is ready. You just keg and putting a keg label on. But for the other stuff, for uh, bottle labels, you need approval and everything is slowly with creating the label and take some time. But now the beer is ready. The labels are approved. And now we can soon brew it again for uh, bottling for the first 
batch where batches were just like for cancer. It's like an old stamp, old German style stamp as a label for the Munchausen uh, uh, Methuselahim uh, labels. And uh, it's like what I said, it's Munchausen sitting on a hot flower, and like, like, on a, like on a stamp. Meantime, Joel Shelton is going to say something. No. <laughs> <laughs> Before he's drinking everything empty. I'm just drinking. I love this stuff. Yeah. Joel Shelton from Shelton Brothers and Brothers. He's the guy who brought. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I should mention VR and Jim from Shelton Brothers. I'll send you guys there somewhere. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a lot of the beers, like the Methuselah, which is also on, like the Adam beers, died uh, out in the 60s. So there's some people around, which was like, uh, for me, interesting to imagine how the beer tasted in uh, the old days, because uh, there was some stories behind those beers and uh, why they came up and why they were brewing it. And uh, it's just like, um, yeah, you can only guess how it tasted, because uh, there's no time machine for traveling back. It's the only thing what you can do is uh, brewing it in a... Uh, uh, most authentic way to uh, give it, having an idea, but we always, what I was uh, telling Josh was uh, that the situation is that we are never going to try to get some ingredients from the past, like, oh, the malt in uh, former times was worse, so we are taking it to make it more authentic, but we want to have a tasty beer, so uh, we are always using the modern malt qualities, which were actually better than in the former times, so that's not the most authentic <laughs> I think it's very important to have a good paint, a tasty beer which is balanced, never too crazy. So when we brew in the spruce branches in our goza, it should be tasty, it should be balanced and not like uh, spruce all over, like that you have the feeling biting in a spruce branch. Uh, the next one is Sour Power. Um, we brewed this beer together with Jessica King from Austin, Texas. So those guys are very good brewery, um, known for their wild sour beers, and uh, we were coming together first time last year for brewing that beer, so it was a bit like uh, Ron from Jesse King was like, okay, if we brew something, it has to be really elements of both brews, uh, for both breweries inside. I'm very picky about that, and like my first suggestion was like, okay, let's do something like a modernized version of something which was done in the past, because in former times everything used to be uh, in some way dark, smoky, smoky and sour, and uh, we brewed that beer, it was like a typical top fermented 100% smoke malt beer uh, at our location, and uh, inoculated it with uh, the beer Das Überkind by Jessica King. So there's this funky, sour stuff coming from. And Ron loved that idea, so we did it right away like that, and uh, I'm very happy with the, um, with the result. So it's uh, very, very sessionable, very tasty in our opinion, and we are both very happy uh, with uh, what, what we did. And, and I told him he had to name the beer after his own last name. It's not S-O-U-R, it's S-A-U-B-R, which is his last name. Yes. You know, it means the same like sour in the US. So we started liking sour beers. Like, is it a weird coincidence because your last name is sour? No. Actually, I started to like sour beers in Belgium. So I was born close to the border. 
to Belgium, and uh, on my first trips were not that long distance. I was first of all traveling a bit to Germany, but then my first way to Belgium was not that far away, and um, I, I really liked Lambic uh, beers and Berliner Reise. Nowadays, the situation of uh, sour beers in Germany is not that great anymore because uh, we have a really big tradition of sour beers in Germany, but uh, everything died out. I mean, 19th century was um, yeah, the decline of documentation, so it nearly died out completely, but then it was like getting a bit more popular again. And um, but like Berliner Weisse, so, so we made the Abraxas, which was our first beer, for the reason that. Um, uh, the Schultheis, uh, which is uh, made the Schultheis Berliner Weisse, the best, the best and last good Berliner Weisse, which was around. And uh, they bought Berliner Kindle and didn't retire the worst Berliner Kindle Weisse, but their own Weisse, because Berliner Kindle was more popular. So the, there's no, was no good sour beer around anymore, no good Berliner Weisse. And that's the reason why we wanted to revive that idea of sour beer in Germany. But then her vice died in our lifetime. Yeah. I went to Germany the first time in 1989. It was everywhere. And now you don't see it. No, it's hard to find. And then when people are drinking it, most of the time only with syrup, with Mutraff or raspberry syrup. But really, not even the Berliner Killer Weiss is not as good. The Schulter's one was a really traditional one, like a uh, very old tradition. And uh, we had some bottles from even from the 60s. I mean, they're really light and alcohol, 2.5% alcohol. And some come other breweries in those days, like Ropayan and Andre, which were like from, uh, later. Uh, part of the Schulter's company, they were really delicious, you know, like that kind of beers, just flat out, you cannot find them anymore. It's a big, big it's tragedy. Can you tell us about the names, the monarchy and Freigeist, where those names came from? Yeah. It's, um, I'm always giving names, I always have the ideas of stuff what I like. Most of the time, uh, in some way, in, in homage to something, or, I mean, yes, that I, I told the stories, but uh, it's like Abraxas is, for example, uh, the name is referring to a famous novel from Hermann Hesse. It's like a very famous author, Nobel Prize, uh, uh, got the Nobel Prize, and it's uh, also of Schleppenwolf, which is probably the most uh, popular uh, book from him in the US. And uh, in this book, Damian is describing that situation, a lot of philosophy situation and uh, Abraxas is a Gnostic god, so it's like if you have God and the devil, and you can always put them in one category, and this category where they're both belonging in is Abraxas. Like, you know, it's like, in everyone is something good and something bad, and that's actually uh, pretty interesting philosophy, and so that's why one of my favorite novels, and that's the reason why Abraxas got, uh, yeah, this beer got we are doing today on, only Klaus Kinski impersonations. So. Yes. <laughs> this weird German sector was like, oh. It's all the way. Very aggressive German actor. Yeah. Not, not, not a good actor, but he was really just playing himself. Just like Jim is right now. Yes. <laughs> I can't play other characters. Don't put me in a romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, and the other subs, like uh, as I said, homage to Johnny Cash. Uh, we have Phoebe Cofield, which is a homage to the Catch on the Rye by J.D. Sager. Uh, a lot of other stuff, you know, like sometimes just just stuff from Germany, which is very good for us, very interesting for us, which is uh, inspiring. It's a situation like Munchausen. It's like nice, nice stories, you know, it's like it's fun. The Terry Gilliam film. Uh, but something else. Which I was talking about. No, what's this? One? Ah, okay. I don't know. The Methuselah is uh, Adam here, Adam here, um, which is also called Dortmunder Alt here. Um, this is one of the strongest top fermenting beers uh, in German history, and uh, died out sometime in the 60s in Germany. Um, was later uh, in the very last times. It was only a beer which, like, uh, the beer was, was going back to the brewery. They were just um, uh, keeping it for some time, and because it was sour already, they were just like uh, mashing it up. So that was the end of Adam beer, which is a pretty bad decline. We didn't do this with our beer, but uh, we're actually brewing it's like 10% alt beer, and also with that underlining sourness by sour mash, plus this Venus characters, very. Uh, very drinkable, dangerously drinkable for 10% alcohol, and um, the name is uh, referring to the uh, oldest person ever to live, uh, according to the Bible, Methuselah, Methuselah uh, 969 years old, and uh, this name is coming from the fact that uh, we've found some researches, uh, look for the research about uh, uh, Adam B. in the past, and there was uh, one guy, he found a bottle which was 33 years old in the 19th century and uh, he was just like trying it and tasting it and analyzing it and was like, oh wow, this is blah blah blah. And in those days, uh, no bottle was 33 years old, so it was like incredible old for those days and that's the reason why we like incredible old, okay, which was a I had no idea what that <laughs> That's a very quiet. It's the German fest. Let's whoop it up. It's too hot. It's too hot. It's too hot. It's hot, right? So you use um, you know traditional, yeah, not traditional. You use modern malts, right? Where you probably have better conversion, uh, better conversion to uh, sugars. So you think that historically a lot of these beers were sweeter? They're more starchy. Like what? What's this, how different are they because of the quality malt you're using? Uh, I think, uh, as you said, they, I, I guess they had some more grainy character because in former times the malt uh, was really bad. I mean, there was everything in between, you know, some flowers uh, growing on the, on the fields and uh, they put everything inside. And uh, so they had to boil it longer or to, to mash it longer to get some the, the uh, starch into sugar. And I guess it was not that clean taste like nowadays. Uh, I think it was a bit more rough here and uh, was not that balanced. That's my guess. But then you add a long, what's it was called, uh, screen mesh, brewing uh, versions of that. A lot of uh, breweries did that and still doing it nowadays. Very few, uh, like Prison Workwell, for example, which is uh, famous for doing that, which is a very long and very uh, efficient, uh, not efficient uh, way of meshing. It takes a long time to get really uh, everything out of the, um, the, the mold. And sometimes it was necessary to, to get some data degrees and all. With your like, uh, historical uh, beer concept, is there any beer styles you would like to try in the future? And is there any, any styles that you want to? 
There's a lot I would love to taste, uh, not too much, which I wouldn't like. I mean, we are pretty, pretty crazy about that. So there's a description of, uh, which is probably a really weird beer. Probably we're not going to sell it because it wouldn't be allowed. But uh, there's this beer from Danzig, from Poland, which is called Danziger Jockenbier. And uh, this is known as it was fermented in a room full of mold. <laughs> so on, on top of the uh, beer, there was uh, really like a, a white um, white ceiling, white floor of uh, yeast, but it was also like uh, with some bluish mold on it. It's pretty interesting. You want to do it one day, but probably you won't hear too much about me after that. So I'm not too sure. Sounds crazy, but also like had an, a, a, it's described as having a very genius, very interesting character. Would you ever make a like a Melis Lager any like? Yeah, try Why not? But it's uh, the very important part about German beers that uh, most people are like, oh, it's very traditional beers, blah blah blah. But uh, everything which is filtered is actually very new. Because, uh, I mean, Kölsch, typical Kölsch, was the first time this expression was used was 1919 by Zünner because of, in former times everything was unfiltered. The filtration installation is not that old, and uh, so it's, Kölsch is not a, it's a more modern beer style. A lot of other beer styles uh, are very modern, not like if you imagine, okay, Weinstefana is the oldest brewery which is still active in the world from 1000, I don't know, 49. Uh, and they are um, not brewing the same beers like in those days. I mean, completely changed. So the, so the um, uh, Stella Artois signs are say since 18 something, it's not the same beer? Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought, wow, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> those days they were probably brewing it for some poison mushrooms. <laughs> That's a situation that is very important to know when you're uh, imagining traditional historical beers. That is uh, actually what you get from, from Germany nowadays. It's not very old, not very traditional. I mean, even like the Doppelbock, which is an uh, older beer style, and former times used to be way more sweet. Uh, they were very high in plateau degrees, but the attenuation was really fucked up, so they were 50% attenuation, which means they were sweet like hell, and uh, was really like liquid bread. Nowadays it's totally, totally different. They are still sweet, but not that sweet. We're going to get him to do these things that we're all used to, the Ellis and the filters in the box, and have them make them the way they might have been 150 years ago, 200 years ago, right? Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. So you have to brush your teeth right away after you drink the beer. <laughs> <laughs> are, there any, are there any that are like, that you think are similar to how they used to be as far as the apple box go, or are they just all so far gone? No, so far. So far. There's no, absolutely no beer like that around because nowadays uh, everything is brewed in a most efficient way. You know, like uh, German breweries are very good in uh, calculating brewing in an economical way, and so it's like okay, there's this beer around. It's like it costs two dollars, and I want to make a similar beer, but it should be a bit cheaper. It's like okay, it's like uh, one buck fifty, and then I have to save this and save that, blah blah blah, to make the beer like that, and. Uh, so we are brewing, and after that we're doing the calculation. We're taking the best ingredients we can get, and uh, you know, it's like if someone is, uh, wants to have that beer, he's, uh, he has to pay the price, which is around, and we're trying to do the best price we can. So, but first of all, we are getting the best ingredients we can get. So it's like if you're working with fruits, we're taking the best fruits we can get, 
Thank you. 